Hello and welcome to another episode of Conversations Beyond the Pew. And today I'm pretty excited because I have someone that I've recently gotten to know a little bit better because we've been working on a project in, Link in Lincoln Park. And his name is Caleb and he is a social work student, graduate student at Wayne State University. Welcome, Caleb. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kara. I've loved getting to know you. Um, a, lot of the, the, a lot of the people actually involved in the project are all amazing. Yeah, it's really a lot of fun. And the project we're referring to is the Community Forum Project, which uh, started in Lincoln Park, well, it feels like forever ago, maybe a couple of years ago, but we finally had the event back last January, but then it required data and then more research. And so Caleb has been doing that for us. Uh, if you listen to my episode with Paula, uh, you heard a little bit about that project. So thank you so much for all the work you have done. Uh, Caleb's time has come to an end with us, which is very sad. Maybe one day we'll figure out another way to get you back in. Yes, I think I can see that day coming, actually. <laughs> yes! That's things I like to hear. Uh, so today we're just talking a little bit, having a conversation around the work that Caleb does. And uh, just give me a little bit about yourself. Uh, from the area? Uh, so I actually grew up in Pontiac, Michigan. Um, technically, I was born in Indiana, but my parents moved when I was like two. I have no memories of that place. Yeah, uh, I spent in Pontiac, let me see, maybe up until the age of 13-ish. Okay. Um, so I have a lot of memories there. Pontiac is a very diverse area. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a large black population, a large Latino population. You have a lot of specialty stores, which I love out here in Lincoln Park. You also have a significant Latino population. You also, yes. I can go to a market and I can buy stuff that I can no longer buy where I am living right now. Oh, um, interesting. But growing up in Pontiac, you meet a lot of people. And the, good, the beauty of being a child is you don't understand a lot of the things that are around you. Hmm. You just kind of assume that's the way things are and you don't question things. Okay. I had a sense of curiosity mm -hmm. that I'm very glad my parents did not, uh, they, they didn't try to diminish it whatsoever. Okay. Um, I always had my nose in a book. I always wanted <laughs> to learn more. Um, I took to school, I, I took to school with enthusiasm yeah um but in terms of getting to know the people i mean there are other people that you'll meet in pontiac even back then there was a significant Hmong population oh yeah okay. i remember a number of my uh, classmates in kindergarten mm -hmm. uh, they were Hmong and they taught me some things and i was like this is all so cool yeah um and then growing growing up in pontiac though you do start to realize as you grow up that Things are different in other places. Mm, um, truth. You start to realize that, you know, money is actually an important <laughs> thing. <laughs> yes. You, you may not understand what capitalism is, yeah. but you know that there's something that's not fair. Yeah. You have that sense. And especially if you come from a family that is black, is Latino, or whatever. Mm -hmm. You also pick up some of those ingrained things that mm. 
we don't move the same way that a lot of other people do. Okay. And it's for good reasons. Um, a lot of it comes from previous experiences. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it comes from previous experiences growing up in a struggle. Yeah. And I saw that I was able to appreciate that. Uh, growing up in Pontiac, my parents ended up going through a divorce, and I saw my mother did everything she could. I was the oldest of three. Okay. Um, so she did everything she could by herself mm. for a long time. Which was um, a struggle. Yes. A major struggle. But in my family, that was just kind of... To me, I had gotten the impression that you just... You grind. You grind mm-hmm. to do what you have to. Uh, yeah. My grand, both my grandparents were born in Puerto Rico. Okay. My grandfather came here first. Mm-hmm. He told me that he had came to he he had gone to New Jersey. Okay. And in New Jersey, he found this job. He was working there. He came back to Puerto Rico. Yeah. I think that's when he married my grandmother and then brought her. Okay. And they moved over to the Bronx. Okay. I believe my mother, my uncle, and my aunt were all born in the Bronx. What my grandfather then did was he also was in college. He, at, I think he had called it something different when I used to ask him about this. Mm-hmm. But back then, he was the equivalent of a caseworker back then, working with teenagers. Okay. He saw a lot. Yeah. Um, he did not complete his degree. But, you know, things were different back then. Yeah. Very different. Uh, he experienced burnout. Like, mm-hmm. to the point where he was physically sick. Oh, wow. Um, but throughout all this time, he still was sending money back home to his family in Puerto Rico because he's one of 12 children. Oh, wow. Okay. He was able to help put two of his siblings through college. Wow. What an so, accomplishment. Yeah. Um, so when he got sick, we had family that had made it to Michigan. So they made the drive, and they picked everyone up from the Bronx, and they brought them to Pontiac. Okay. Um, Good news is my grandfather, his health improved, and he ended up running his own landscaping business. So, you know, that Mm -hmm. sense of, I I think, being able to do something, being more in control, and, you know, some sense of harmony, maybe, working. Well, and I get this sense that this, your story, and this interconnected family has something to do with why you pursued social work. Yes. Um, I wouldn't I never set out actually to get involved in social work. Okay. I just knew growing up that people should help each other mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted to do. I saw a lot of that in my family and it just, it just clicked. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of opportunities. I had that growing up. I was able to do it. Um, ironically, actually, I was trying to, I think I wanted to go into psychology okay. when I was very young. Um, so closely related. Yes. I didn't really realize how closely related because I didn't really understand what social work was. Okay. Um, so social work is a helping profession, kind of like, you know, everyone knows what a doctor is. That's very black and white. That's easy. Yeah. Um, I had thought about actually doing that in my family, you know. They were also one of those families that's like, you could do anything you want. You know, you can make money as a doctor. And I was like, <laughs> get that but I, I I also look at myself within within a bigger system okay. and even though I could help people directly doing that mm-hmm. it doesn't address what's around them mm. you may be addressing something that is yes very impactful on their health yeah but then also when you look at the human side of that 
I knew back then that I didn't want to be spending that much time away from family. Okay, gotcha. Um, so psychology. Psychology, though, stood out to me because it was that sense of curiosity. Mm-hmm. Looking at how other people were so different and they didn't quite see the same things. Like, how is this possible? Yeah. I, I, it just blew my mind. And then there's lots of things that stood out because for some reason, it, it's the history of psychology. Uh, it, it's not always a good history. Right. It has some, some issues. Yes. And good points. And then there are some great challenges. Yes. And then there is a certain reputation that comes with psychology. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly for anyone of color, is mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for families to not trust psychology. And okay. I do have some people like that in my family. Yeah. But I had read a lot about things. I was like, okay, I, I get it. Uh, brain and body and a little bit of this connection with, you know, what's around you. Mm-hmm. Up through community college, I was setting myself up to go into psychology. Okay. And I remember... This was a professor of human sexuality, so I don't know why he was so pressed to pull me aside and do this. But um, I think it was the last day of class, and he pulled me to his office, and he told me, um, you're not fit to be a psychologist. Mm. Uh, Yeah, he he was very... Yeah. um, Hard to hear, too, because that's the path you're on. Yes, it was very hard to hear. And then he was like, I think you should do... I think maybe you would make a good social worker. Okay. Now, I still didn't really quite understand what a social worker is because the biggest, the most common idea of what a social worker is in society is a caseworker. Ah. And I knew I didn't want to be a caseworker. Gotcha. So when he told me that, I was like, are you out of your minds? Mm. Like, uh, no. Like, no, I don't want to do one-on-one. Even though psychology was still one-on-one, it's, it's, still, it's still different in its own way. There's still yeah. a lot of research going into it. It's still, it felt different than social work. Okay. The other thing I did consider, but I hadn't figured out what would my niche be, was I knew I wanted to do some kind of community activism. Okay. I was always thinking maybe it would be like policy or something like that. Mm-hmm. But also, I knew I didn't want to be a politician. I didn't want to be yeah. a bureaucrat. Yeah. I didn't want to do all these other things. So I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure this out somehow. Um, okay. And I think people, I started meeting some people and maybe they were social workers. I should go back and ask them. They were probably studying social work. And they would tell me a lot of the stuff like, first of all, to practice therapy, you can be a social worker. Yeah. Um, Most insurances actually are more apt to pay for a social worker. So you see a lot of licensed clinical social workers in these positions. Yes. Um, but I had reached a point where I was growing away from this clinical viewpoints. Okay. I, I, again, it came down to, we, you, you can help someone on the inside. You can help someone with their body. You can help someone one-on-one. Maybe you can help a family. Maybe you can help a group of people. But we have these larger, complex things that are really shaping everyone's well-being. And yeah. until we address these larger things... I don't think that impact is going to be sustainable. Right. If you do one-on-one, then you have to keep doing one-on-one. What are you doing for the future? Right. right. It's that sense of, yes, we are individuals, but we are individuals within a system. Yes. And uh, we are not disconnected from one another. Yeah. Uh, as much as we want to fool ourselves and say individualism, individualism, 
Well, yeah, there's a certain amount of that, but we are part of a much bigger community and all of us are connected somehow. Yes. And then what I started learning when I started telling people like, well, maybe policy, I want to do some of this other stuff. They started telling me, you can also do that in social work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, tell me more about that. And I think finally I had taken some orientation uh, at the community college, but sponsored by Wayne State. And they were talking about macro social work. Okay. So. Right up your, yeah. Yeah. Right up your alley. All this one-on-one stuff that I keep talking about is what we call micro social work. Mm -hmm. Um, People are, are very familiar with what those positions look like it's yeah. what pops into your mind yes uh, macro social work takes a lot of different shapes it could be doing the policy piece it could be writing the policy it could be informing the policy it could be doing the research mm-hmm. it could be doing the data yeah. uh, there's a lot of community organizing there's a lot of activism involved when you actually look at the history of social work its roots are actually at the community level mm-hmm. that is that is where social work was birthed it was doing community work nice which is where our connection is yes where we've connected over you are like trying to figure out community stuff and then uh myself along with many others are also because if the community is not healthy we can't expect the individual alone to be healthy yes and we've definitely in today's society because we've reached this point where politically speaking in this country we've put a lot of the responsibility on we say it should be all on your family right this whole idea of pull yourself up by your bootstraps right which is it's it's an antiquated idea it's yeah there's so many things that prevent that from happening right well we even know right in building resilient children which is something that the Lincoln Park schools and and I've talked to the behavioral socialist uh, team about that is it takes it takes all of us just an encouraging word can change a child's uh, trajectory in life Mm -hmm. it takes a village to raise a child it takes a village yeah Um, and so just that realization how when you realize that we're all part of it and we're all trying to help one another and uh, thinking about one of our famous uh, social workers uh, researchers Brene Brown right and all we want is to belong and be loved. Well, it takes all of us to doing that to make it happen for the community. Yes. So what, what do you love about social work? I think I'm still learning that. Nice. I think I am definitely still learning that. So um, going through the School of Social Work at Wayne State yeah. University, uh, there were a couple things, one, for why I chose going to Wayne over yeah. a couple other schools. Mm-hmm. Um, U of M has a reputation. Um, okay. I think it's still one of the top 12 gotcha. in the nation. A lot of it comes down to you know opportunities for research and right. their programming. Yes. However, I still wanted to make sure like, one, it has to be affordable. Yeah. I'm, I'll be honest about that. Right, uh, uh, yeah, U of M isn't necessarily affordable. Beyond that, it's also, well, what's the point of going into social work unless you're going to be in the community doing the work? Gotcha. Um, Wayne State has an urban mission. So they have a lot of these partnerships in the city of Detroit right around it where 
the goal is that your internship is going to be yeah. somewhere within that gotcha. sphere. However, when you go into the BSW program, it's treated as a generalist practice. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to, you don't get to concentrate. You don't get to develop skills in one specific area that you might be excited about. Yeah. It's kind of like you know when you first go into community college and you get all your prereqs out of the way. Yeah. Um, kind of feels like high school all over again. It's like I have to take these. Yeah. I'm not excited for that. Uh, but having completed the BSW at Wayne, they have what they call the Advanced Standing Program. Mm-hmm. The Advanced Standing Program is for people who pass that program. I think you have to meet some other criteria, but you have the chance to go full time and you take a bridge course between the summer after you graduate and the summer before your fall semester begins for your MSW. Okay. The entire program is built to be 10 months. Okay. This means you really have to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or... No taking the time on that. 10 months goes quick. Yes. Or... Um, I actually look back on my circumstances and I've had... I've had some pauses, we'll say. Okay. Um, I did complete my first semester full-time, and I had an internship with Senator Gary Peters. Okay. And I was not, I was, I was not gunning for that. I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. My goal actually was two possibilities. I either wanted to do something with an LGBTQ organization okay. that, again, was not just case management. Yeah. It's harder to actually find that with Wayne State. Or two, I really wanted to work with the ACLU. Okay. The ACLU, and I think it's um, Equality Michigan. Okay. The ACLU, I tried my hardest. At first, they were trying to say, um, well, we don't have a field instructor. We don't have the field liaison kind of thing, so we don't have the connections right there. Yeah. I told this story to an instructor I had, and she was like, well that's not okay let's actually look at this I will be your field instructor if that is the barrier okay so we tried making this work out and it didn't and it was right up until I believe two weeks before the semester started oh no before they were like SOL we're sorry this no yep not gonna happen and I'm just like what am I gonna do for an internship yeah like everything else I didn't really have an interest in and then suddenly they called me up and they're like so we have an opportunity here Mm -hmm. and mind you again like i wanted to go into policy yeah i wanted to i saw going to the office of senator gary peters as this opportunity to learn more about how things actually are yes i think what i ended up seeing is one the bureaucracy yeah lots of bureaucracy yes two um there are so there are people who are doing a case management type thing in his office. Okay. And I do appreciate the work, the work they're doing, especially because he has two people assigned to handling immigration stuff. Oh, interesting. Um, I hadn't seen that up close before, but yeah. those two people were stellar. They're very great at what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I was happy to see that. However, after completing that internship, I had to take a break from the program. Okay. It was quite a long break. But what I did was I took a chance. I took a chance because before then, trying to get into the field and again trying to find a way into an LGBTQ organization, back then I was always told, well, 
you aren't qualified. We're looking at like two years of experience and a whole plethora of things. Yeah. And I'm like, how? Unless someone gives me a chance. Right. I have experience. Yeah, I have experience. I have my lived experience. I have my experience with the Gender and Sexuality Alliance over at this community college. I have my experience with all these other things. Yeah. But now you're saying I need something else. But I kept looking around and someone tipped me off to an organization and they're like, go apply. So I applied for this one position and they're like, no, you can't really do that, but we have another position if you want to take that. So I I did. I I was able to actually start the start of what felt like a legitimate social work career. Nice. But it was that one-on-one stuff, which I was hesitant to do, but I've been told, you know, it's, it's necessary. Everyone should do at least a year of it just to understand it you get a better impression of whether or not there's something for you to move forward with out of that. It, it's like persistence. Like you, you had to stay persistent. And I think sometimes we forget that about yeah. life in general, that it just, it's persistence every single day to reach or even to figure out which direction you want to go. Yeah. Um, it's persistent. It's persistence, it's a willingness to be open and try something new, Yeah. and it's also patience. Yes. And I will say that that is one of the things that I've always looked at as being, it's something I've looked at that's helped me feel more confident about my ability to do macro social work. Mm-hmm. So after doing this one year at this job, I ended up going back and attended a community health worker training. Okay. Um, it was kind of like a mini BSW. I was kind of confused going through it initially. Okay. What would I get out of it? But the thing was I met a lot of amazing people, a lot of networking, and the instructor of that class, Rebecca Guzman, had just told me at one point, well, you know, if you wanna, if you wanna actually come back, I'm a field instructor with mm-hmm. the macro school of social work. I was like, okay, what do you have in mind? And she's like, I have two different things, um, but I actually, there's a friend of mine who's working with a church, yeah. and she could really use, she could really use a student. Yeah. So she inspired me to actually re-enroll to complete my program. Okay. And what I did was I actually, I think I asked her for a letter of recommendation, and I also asked her, is that internship opportunity still available? Mm-hmm. I didn't even look at anything else. Okay. I just asked about that one. And she said, yes. So that's how I ended up working with St. Michael's. Nice. But even with this project that we've been working on, patience is very important because a lot of the macro community level, a lot of the regional level time just takes time. Yeah. And you have to be willing to invest that time. Yeah. Um, It's a different kind of burnout sometimes Mm. than with your individual one-on-one type social work positions. Yeah, it's like a, a an ultra marathon or something, where okay, you're gonna run like 200 miles, but you're gonna have to take your time doing that. Like yes. you cannot do that all in one day. You will hurt yourself. Yes, and then you have to remind yourself constantly that you know, yeah, there's this big vision at the end. You see this goal, this this yeah. the top of the mountain. But sometimes people reach it and maybe they didn't pace themselves or maybe the way they went about it, yeah. the payoff isn't okay for some people. 
Yeah. But for me, I, for me, I know that there are a lot of issues that I can work on that the payoff would be worth it. Yeah. Even if it feels like I'm only doing a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. It takes a little bit at a time. It, it's a very cumulative process that has to occur. And that's challenging. I mean, because, again, you've got to be persistent, you've got to be patient, and you just you keep chipping away at it. Uh, so what is, what has been the most challenging in all of this? That, I mean, that it, persistence and patience are, are pretty challenging. It, would you add to that? Well, there's, there's a lot I could say to that. Okay, um, all right. Outside of school, I mean, I work full-time. Ah, the balancing act. Working full-time, school full-time, internship. Yes, that's a huge thing right there. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Because that in and of itself, right? Not being able to navigate and hold all of those things and get all of it done also can, if you're not careful, cause burnout. Yes. As well. Yes. And each one individually can cause burnout. <laughs> it's like, yes. but I think I'll pile two or three on it. Yes. Yeah. It's very much... Um, you learn how to compartmentalize when needed yeah but also you learn that some things you just need to work on in the moment and mm-hmm. then you learn how to put something down yes and when to pick it back up um you learn when to reach out i once was seeing a therapist and he had told me um when it comes to the way we carry some things about ourselves sometimes mm-hmm. we miss the lesson of when to ask for help and the way he would illustrate it is he says, imagine, you know, you went to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Now you have to carry some bags with yeah. a friend who lives in an apartment or something like that. And let's say a couple floors up or something like that. Yeah. Even if you have only four bags after long enough, uh, yeah. that becomes heavy. Truth. Very much. Yeah. So what would you say is the most rewarding about your work? When I see it clicking, when okay. I see that other people as, as are as passionate, yeah, for sure that um, I saw some of that in Pontiac. Okay. I follow some people who are still active in Pontiac, and they are very dedicated. And I think that's the beauty of working with people who are from a community, or they hold some position in a community that makes them part of it. Okay, um, that was. One of the differences that I see between U of M, say, and Wayne State University okay. is I've collaborated sometimes with people who come from U of M, mm-hmm. or sometimes you meet someone, and sometimes I think it's easy to overlook that you may have this schooling behind you, but yeah. you still need to listen to everyone else. You still uh, need to listen to who you're working with. Yeah. We can't bring old solutions to new problems. Mm. That is good. All right, so I ask a question at the very end uh, of everyone, and that is, what is the piece of wisdom that you live by? I think it changes from time to time, but I think the one that I've been, the one I've been most mindful of is everyone has something that you can learn, whether it's about yourself or something that you can apply in your life. Everyone has something that you can learn from. Yeah. 
That's nice. And that, I mean, that flows so well with what you were just saying about listening and how you can't bring old solutions to new problems. And it, it's, yeah, mm -hmm. if we're listening and we're learning from one another, which also goes back to the whole connection thing, we're connected on all kinds of levels. Uh, well, this has been really great. Thank you so much for being willing. Um, hopefully, uh, we're gonna figure out this community forum thing and how to uh, make space so that you can be part of it continuing on mm -hmm. uh, in new and exciting ways. Uh, we are trying to, to actively work on that. Thank goodness for Paula. Yes. Uh, shout out to her if she's uh, listening. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for doing this, and uh, my hope is that other people will get to meet you and get to benefit from your experience, because I know our group certainly has, so thank you. Oh, oh thank you.